I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name is Bill, and I'm looking across the table at Grace Guard Dog Steve. Woof, woof. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. It is a blessing. Amazing I am here, but I'm here. Yeah. And I'm keeping a promise. I said I'd be back, and let me remember what the promise was. Oh, that we would do we the... We would revisit the... Hebrews thing. Yeah, the fearful expectation of judgment that comes against the enemies of God, for it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of God. That's what we said we would. We should do a podcast on that, because so many people that want to believe in grace see that verse and say, see, I can't, I can't wholeheartedly except the idea of this new covenant when the book of Hebrews is actually about the new covenant. (laughs) It's trying to tell you you're not under the sacrificial system anymore. People say it all the time that context is everything, but this one really is in context. Yes. So first thing you got to remember, the temple was still up. Yes. This was before A.D. 70 when everything... The temple, Jerusalem, was attacked and laid siege, and not one stone was left upon another. So the people there were able to do legitimate sacrifices. Yeah, apparently they put the veil back up, covering the Holy of Holies, and they were able to do the the normal sacrifices for sin. Because there's a lot required to do a sacrifice. You, you have to have the temple, you have to have the ark, you have to have a the priest. Holy of Holies, you have to have a Levitical an, priest. An animal. An animal. Uh, with blood. With blood. That That's what a sacrifice is. It's not the idea that First John says, if you confess your sins, he will be faithful to forgive you your sins. That. Unless you cut your tongue while you're confessing, you need blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is... You have to bring an ox or a cow or a goat or a sheep when you go go to confess your sins. And it must be done at a temple. You must confess your sins at a temple. To a priest. A Levite. To a priest, no less. So, that is what this warning is written to. People that were tempted to people that had heard about the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus for all sin, for all time, and yet at the same time they were 
pressured by these Judaizers, persecuted by these Judaizers, to continue to keep the law, which part of the law was offering sacrifices for your sins, and other sacrifices too that didn't have to do with sin, but this one is in reference to sacrificing for sins. Yes. To have the sin removed and forgiven. Yes, and it, it doesn't really show up in this passage when it's just cut and pasted somewhere because this just says if you go on willfully sinning, there no longer remains a sacrifice for you, but only the fearful expectation of judgment, how bad it is to fall into the hands of the living God. That's where it's actually taken out of context. It's just used by itself. It says, if you go on willfully sinning, you get judged. Yes. And you get the thumping on the chest. So to do this passage justice, to do this verse passage to do this verse justice if we go on willfully sinning let's start right at the beginning of the chapter to get it completely in context so we can first let me just read the passage that we're talking about it's a famous passage and it is the passage that a lot of people use to say watch out about that breezy grace Don't, don't subscribe to that you got to be accountable and then be, be repentant is what they're saying when it's saying make a sacrifice of an animal, not just feel sorry for what you did. <laughs> yes. But let me just read Hebrews 10.26. This is the scary verse that is usually taken by itself to terrify people and to make people stay awake at night thinking, am I saved or not? Have I crossed the line or am I still a Christian? What am I, what's the truth of the matter? Okay, well, here's here's the verse that causes all that fear. Fear. Okay. I might butt in on the scary words. Yeah, yeah. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversary. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies with two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? And has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's the passage. That is the horror story. The, The horror story. 
first off, it says if we continue. That's that's the okay, one. So that's the one they get you. And what does that mean to most Christians? What did that mean to you and I back way back when, when we first saw this passage? Because we can go back in our memory and just go back to those days when this passage scared us so bad. It means what, however sensitive your conscience is. So, if your if your willful sin was according to the guy that told me this was adult told me that in front of my wife too. <laughs> That's awkward. Oh Lord! Oh Lord! <laughs> so, like, if you maybe if you had an affair and then you felt really bad about it and you didn't do it again, that wouldn't be continuing to willfully sin. If you knew you were something not supposed to do something but you did it in any anyway you willfully sin yes or or if the pastor has been telling you not to go to the bars and stay out of them and you continue to go there no longer remains a sacrifice for you you've lost it okay i can't tell you how many nights that kept me awake this was a terrifying passage for me and it, it totally stopped me from believing that sin shall not be my master because I am not under law but under grace. I shouldn't be under the law. I I was going, yes, I should because there's a terrible expectation of judgment. People who have been saying those things to me, they're just wrong. This is right here in the scriptures and it haunted me at night. Oh, because you thought that you were willfully continuing to sin because I thought going to the bars or something bad like that was continually willfully continually willfully Willfully. sinning and when we look at this in context in the passage that is not what it means to keep on willfully sinning and we need to look at what it means the willful sin was a right on thing under the old covenant. Yes. But Honorable, it's an noble, insult to grace in the new covenant. It's an insult to grace in the new covenant. We've got to explain what we what need that by is. It. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to bars, so. It's not going to bars. So <laughs> the first thing that is good news, there's no way you could possibly commit this willful sin that is talking that, about that in we're Hebrews try and 10, 26 to 28. Right. You cannot. It's not. We'll see why. It's not even possible. Right. Right. You'd have to do a lot of maneuvering. You'd have to build a temple. You'd have to build a temple. You'd have to go to Israel. You'd have to find a Levite. A lot of things that you can't do. Exactly. There's no way to do those sacrifices. It's impossible. So, before we go to these passages, maybe you can really give the overall purpose of the letter of Hebrews. Okay, okay. I'm going to go to some passages in in Hebrews 10, but let let me just say overall, the, the book of Hebrews is making a case that Jesus is the ultimate priest. He's the super Christ, higher than the angels, higher than man. He's higher than everybody. His priesthood is higher than everybody. He is super dude. And he made 
a sacrifice for the world. And he died on the cross for the world. And his sacrifice was greater than any other sacrifice in all mankind. And it applies to us as Christians in the new covenant. It was because of his sacrifice, we could have a new covenant. And the book of Hebrews is telling you, it's teaching you about Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus did and how enormous it was and the implications of it so that you will not go back to a sacrificial system. You will not go back. You'll realize that all your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven by what Jesus did. That's what the that's the thesis statement of the book of Hebrews. That is what the whole book is about, trying to get you to understand that the sacrifice has been made, and you no longer have to feel unworthy before God. You may have to feel unworthy in front of your wife or the people around you, but because of what Jesus did, you are holy and blameless in God's eyes. And the whole idea of the sacrificial system or or doing three Hail Marys or that penance system, any of that is over and done with. It's actually... Leviticus chapters 1 through 6 goes through all five of the offerings. Only two of the offerings had to do with bad behavior, the trespass offering and the sin offering. And there was three other offerings that were sacrifices of your life and commitment and good behavior, I guess, so to speak. Only two were bad behavior. But all five were met and fulfilled in Christ. And that's what the, the the letter of Hebrews, like you said. So, but in terms of these, the sin offering, which is talking about in that you're just about to read, could we read that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's jump to Hebrews chapter ten and look at verse nine, which says, "Then he said, Behold, I have come to do thy will." He takes away the first in order to establish the second. He takes away the first covenant in order to establish the second covenant. Didn't we just do that last podcast last week on how to be established by the gospel, the good news? Yes. Okay, so he took away that first covenant, and that's the sacrificial system covenant. Covenant. So you, you can't be established in the new covenant if you don't see the old one is taken away, is that what it's saying there? That's what that's what the letter of Hebrews is trying to tell you. It's trying to teach you that. Okay, so verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What? Once. Once. For all, DC it is telling you that you are sanctified once for all. You're, you're just that is just a foregone fact. You are sanctified in God's eyes, and you don't have to worry about 
being displeasing to God because he made this new covenant and he'll remember your sins and lawless deeds no more because of what Jesus did on the cross. Once for all. Yes. And then it goes on to say, but he, meaning Jesus, offered one sacrifice for the sins of all time. That means your past, present, and any sins you'll do in the future. That's why Paul said, I'm convinced of this thing that neither past nor present nor future will separate you from the love of God, neither angels or demons or anything else created in all the earth will ever separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And I'm talking about Romans 8, 28 through 36 or somewhere around there. I believe so. I believe you're pretty darn close. So we have one sacrifice for all sin for all time. Yes. Then he sat down at the right hand of God. How many times did the Levitical priest sit down? Never ever. Because their work wasn't ever done. The the sacrifice that they did only cured you for a, a week or two. Read all the furniture that's in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary. Not a chair. Not a chair. No. Okay. So, four, by one offering, Jesus has perfected for all times. Does that mean you are perfect for all times in God's eyes? Yes. Exactly what it said. You are perfected for all times in God's eyes. He perfected you for all time. And see, that's what Hebrews wants. It wants you to accept this fact. It wants you to zero in on how big a sacrifice Jesus made and how important that sacrifice was. You never saw it, but you're expected to accept it by faith that it pleased God. God on your behalf. You are sanctified in God's eyes. Just get it. Receive it. Take hold of that. Believe it. Because that is what the Bible is telling you in Hebrews. Chapter Not 10 just now. forgiven, but perfect. perfect. Made perfect. Okay. And then it goes on to say, and the Holy Spirit bears witness for after this It says, I will make a new covenant with them after those days. I will put my laws in their hearts and upon their minds and their sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Understand that on, especially when you've had a bad day, he remembers that misbehavior no more. You may be upset with it all night long, but get it in your mind that God is not holding that against you because none of us are perfect and we're going to have days where we fail and fall flat on our face and embarrass ourselves bad and disappoint ourselves bad. But we have to have an anchor for our mind that says he perfected me In God's eyes forever. Awesome. 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 And then it, it goes on to say, now where there is forgiveness, there is no longer any 
offering for sin. That is Hebrews 10, 18. There is no longer any offering for sin. That is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to stop the Jewish people from doing. They were still making offerings for sin, even though they had this new gospel preached to them. They weren't believing it. And that's what it means to go on willfully sinning, to not believe the good news of the gospel and still keep trying to atone for the bad day you've had. I know you feel bad. We all do. I've felt so bad and been so embarrassed about myself. But the Bible is telling you, you can go to God and say, I need more of your power because I failed my friends. You did not fail God. He is still pleased with you, and you can ask him for more of his power. I believe we did a podcast on it, but in John 1.29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes. Go off on that. What does it mean? It means he took away the sin of the world. So to these Hebrew people, they need to behold the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world instead of going back to the temple with a lamb tucked under their arm to sacrifice for their sin. That is what this passage is talking about. The willful sinning is saying, I know he took away the sin in the world, of the world, but just in case, I'm going to offer a sacrifice also. That's trampling underfoot the blood of Christ that cleansed you. And I didn't sacrifice anything, but I I sure First John 1, 9 said, Lord, I feel really bad about it. I'll try and feel worse, but I really do feel bad about it. Lord, will that do? Will that do? Will you forgive me now? No, I need to feel worse. Okay, maybe I'll just flagellate myself. How about that? All kinds of If you feel bad long enough... Then he'll forgive you. Then he'll forgive you, yeah. I No, I believe that. I do too. I lived that. Me too. And I never knew when it was safe to feel good again. I, ne- I never accepted the gospel. No. But you just said in John chapter 1, it says what? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Okay, let me read you this. For Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin for those who eagerly await him. Without reference reference to sin this fearful <laughs> expectation of judgment is thinking oh he's he's gonna come back in reference to my sin oh, yeah i'm gonna fall into the hands of the living judge that actually not believing that he will not come back in reference to sin is willfully sinning and that's when that's when uh payday happens for for sin on his second coming didn't yes. it just say that? It did. It will appear a second, second time, time without reference to sin. sin. So he's not judging any sins. Well, what was the first time? Isn't it just two, maybe two verses ahead on 24? Do you want me to read it? <laughs> I, 
It's important, yeah. Well, if it's important, then I should read it. Let's see. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but Christ went into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God. First appearance, right? First appearance. The second appearance is to us, but go ahead and keep reading. He appeared in heaven itself, first appearance. Yes. What did he do? He offered himself, not like the priests who offer themselves year after year with the blood of calves, but he offered himself with his own blood. He went into heaven itself to use his own blood as the offering for God to see. That's what keeps us pure and holy and blameless in God's sight. And that's the gospel that we need to learn, especially when we've had a bad day. That is for us who are not taking grace as a license to sin, but us who are trying as hard as we could and have tried as hard as we could for all our lives and feel like a failure and are needing Prozac or something because we, we, we don't live up to our own expectations. Well, here is the good news. He went into heaven itself and offered his own blood in the sight of God so that we would be holy and blameless in his eyes. Don't you believe this? Don't you believe the gospel? This is the gospel, the good news that you're supposed to accept by faith. So he offered his own blood. Blood is significant because the life is in the blood. He offered his life. His whole life was given as a sacrifice. It counted every righteous thing he did we got credit for. And his death counted for everyone. One died for all. Therefore, the conclusion, Paul said, is all died. Which verse is that? That is Second Corinthians yeah. Yeah, 5.14. Yeah. The love of Christ controls me, compels me, literally got me hemmed in on all sides. I can't escape this mm-hmm. love of God. Mm-hmm. Because he was convinced of something, that if one died overall, that's what the word hupera means, mm-hmm. then the conclusion is all died. And you remember that the wages of sin is, is death. death. In God's eyes, all died and paid the penalty for the sins. Paid the penalty for the last mistake you made yesterday, paid the penalty for the last time you embarrassed yourself and the next time you embarrassed yourself. He paid for all people for all time. Then he sat down at the right hand of God, it said. So let's go back to this appearance. He appeared in heaven itself, presented his own blood, and it was accepted by his father as payment in full for all sin, for all people. Period. Do you guys get it? This is what the book of Hebrews is about. 
This is what it's trying to teach you that Christ himself made a sacrifice to God on your behalf and it caused you to be holy and blameless in his sight. And the sacrificial system does not need to carry on anymore. Matter of fact, the, the temple got torn down in a few years after that. That is why it's impossible for you to do that. But if you go on willfully rejecting this good news, you only have the fearful expectation of judgment. That is the passage that we're... If you don't, yes, you have a sin conscience. You have a sin conscience. If you go on with a sin conscience, if you go on willfully sinning, carrying a sin conscience, saying, Jesus didn't perfect me in God's eyes. That's too good a truth to believe. That is willfully sinning, rejecting the gospel. That That's exactly what it is. So be, before we get to Hebrews 10, 1, where it talks about the, the guilty conscience, go to, let's go to the second appearance. Okay. That, I'm just going to say this. I don't you know, not trying to disrupt people's theology, but this is not a second coming of Christ verse, rapture verse. It's he appears to you. We'll, we'll have Steve read it, but let, let me try and explain it first. He appeared once in heaven itself and presented his blood. And then 27, I think it's 27, might be 28. It says he appears a second time to us and why does he appear to us because we're the ones that need to know what he did we need to know so he appears to us a second time so the spirit persuades us that all your sins and lawless deeds were paid for by the blood of Christ once for all the lamb that took away the sin of the world. All your sins that you would ever commit your whole life were paid for. It just said that. He appeared in heaven and paid for it. Now he appears a second time without regard to, to sin, sin, but to appease your guilty conscience. You're never going to appease your guilty conscience by confessing your sins. Go, confess your sins. Go ahead. But it, it is not the exercise of confessing your sin that gets you anywhere with God. It may be for your own peace of mind, you acknowledge that I did something. But after you acknowledge, thank God that he paid for that. Yeah, it's, And then it's live okay in the forgiveness. I, hey, I blew it just now. It's okay to admit that. Shout Speed it out real. loud. Be real. real. Be real. I did not handle that situation very well. I sinned. But well, it's not okay to have a fearful expectation of judgment. It's not. That's continually, willfully sinning. In other words, the idea of going to the confessional on Saturday and then saying three Hail Marys in repentance for your sins as the Catholics do would be a form of continually to willfully sin. You've insulted grace. You've insulted grace. And that's where we should get back to this passage that's so f fearful. Let's 
well, look at it again through the lens of what we've just learned from the book of Hebrews as a whole. Can I slow you down? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to get to the good part. Okay. But what could, is it Hebrews 10, 1? What could the law never do? And what could the, those, those sacrifices never do okay. in 10, 1? For the law, since it is only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of those things, can never. Never? By the same sacrifices year after year, which they are continually offered, perfect those who draw near. It could never do that. That sacrificial system could never perfect the people who are trying to draw near to God to get more of his grace and to get more of his spirit so they get more of his power to do good with, it could never perfect them. But what did it say when Jesus went up into the third heaven? It said he perfected for all time. Yes. And nor were those sacrifices meant to make you, they were, doesn't it say they were an annual reminder of sin year by year? Yes. Let me um, go on. It, It says it could not perfect those people. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered. Do you see? They have ceased to be offered. Sacrificial. I feel like I'm not worthy before God, but there's something I can do to get right in his eyes is over with. It's over with. It's done. It's finished. Finito. But if it was over with in the Old Testament, it says they would have walked away without... Otherwise, the worshipers would have been cleansed and would no longer have a consciousness of sin. A sin consciousness? For those sacrifices, that thing you do about going to confession on Saturday and confessing your sins and saying the three Hail Marys like the Catholics do, it says they're an annual reminder of sin. That's a reminder of sin. It was supposed to. Yes, it was. It supposed was supposed to. to show you that you got a major sin problem. Yes, and you need something better than these annual sacrifices, daily sacrifices. Whenever you feel guilty, sacrifices. You need a once for all sacrifice. And we got it. And we got it. Then we should not have conscience of sin. Is that what Hebrews ten is saying? Yes. Yes. Let me just compare two verses real quick. I want to compare chapter 10, verse, let's say verse 1 and 2, with chapter 10, verse 22. For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of those things, can never by the sacrifices year after year by which they were offered continually make perfect those who draw near make perfect you those sacrifices the idea of confessing your sins and doing the three hail marys and the two our fathers that the catholics do could never perfect you and you couldn't draw near to god 
But now we know that Christ himself became the offering for us for all time. And as it says in verse 14, 10, 14, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Well, look at what it says in verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. We can draw near to God with a clean conscience, knowing that the sacrifice of Christ made us perfect in God's eyes. Do you get it? That's what the gospel is trying to tell you. That is what the book of Hebrews is trying to tell you, that Christ did a sacrifice once for all time and has made everybody holy and blameless in God's eyes. Now let's look at the phrase, if you go on willfully sinning, and let me submit to you that not believing all that good news in Hebrews <laughs> is what it really means to go on willfully sinning. Not go back to the bars and not adultery or whatever. Start smoking again if that is not willfully sinning. It's rejecting this good news. We'll, we'll see in context. Which that, drives you to the bars. Yeah, drive you right back to the bars again. But believing the good news does not make you want to go to the bars. It just doesn't. It made me a, a blossom as a Christian. I began to do the right thing. Yeah. You, Once I wasn't so uptight about doing the right thing, I began to do the right thing. You can't. You can go to the bar or not go to the bar, but your conscience is clear. And if going to the bar is a problem, this is the way to overcome it with a clear... By no understanding that he took you... A, are holy in God's sight. It, it causes you, for some reason, not to want to go to the bars. It does. Because you begin to realize that you can't stop yourself from going to the bars in your own human strength. So then you begin to rely on the Spirit of God who's been placed in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And Next thing you know, you, you quit going to the bars. So going to the bars is not the willful sin. No. Let's see, finally get to it. Yes. Okay, we're going to read in context this passage, and we'll see what the willful sinning is. I'm going to start in maybe verse 19, and I'm going to try and breeze through it in say the things that I need so it's in order so that you can see just exactly how this is set in this passage, how this word that has given us fear for so long is, is set within this passage. It says in verse 19, Since therefore, brethren, we have the confidence to enter the holy place through the blood of Jesus, through a new and living way, which he has become the priest of this new covenant, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts from sprinkled from an evil conscience, and let us hold fast to this confession of our hope without wavering for God who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another on to good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. Did you see how he was saying, let's dig on this good news? Because the next phrase is the one that scares us so much. So after saying, we got full assurance and let's hold on to this full assurance, he says, for if we go on willfully sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what was the knowledge of the truth that we can draw near with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, washed with pure water. Let he who is who promised this is faithful. That's if we go on willfully sinning, if we go on rejecting that good news. Yes. If we go on willfully sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what is the knowledge of the truth? We just read the knowledge of the truth. It was that we are pure and holy in God's sake. If we go on rejecting that knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Verse 27, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fire fury of a fire which will consume all the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of a couple people. How much severe punishment do you think we would deserve, not get, deserve, if we've trampled underfoot the Son of God and regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which we were sanctified, and we have insulted the Spirit of grace to reject this good news, to reject the truthful of the truth of what Hebrews is teaching us that he died once for all and all are holy and blameless in his sight gives us the fearful expectation of judgment. It never said we were going to be judged. You look at the passage. It never said we were going to be judged. It said we got the fearful expectation of judgment. And it also said it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It never said that we were going to fall into the hands of the living God and be judged and punished. It just said it's a fearful thing. If you're rejecting this good news, it's a terrifying thing. To fearful expectation of falling into the hands of the living God. Yes. It, in judgment. It just tells you, if you take it in context, it just tells you if you reject the good news that Hebrews is telling you, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be fearful. Every day you wake up and say, I've disappointed God again and there's no sacrifice I can do for it. He must be so disappointed with me and he's going to judge me at the end of time, even though you saw Hebrews saying he's coming back a second time without regard to sin. You just ignore all these good truths that are blatantly 
spoken to you and, and call willfully sinning go to the bars. No, in context of Hebrews, willfully sinning is rejecting what we just studied for the last 45 minutes, that his death, burial, and resurrection made you holy and blameless in his sight. If you don't believe that, you have insulted the spirit of grace. You have trampled on the blood of Jesus who caused the new covenant to come into fruition. Exactly. And I did have that fearful expectation and I did have a terrifying fret of falling into the hands of the living God. And I did try harder. I just thought for sure. drove me crazy. Yeah. How many times are you going to do this, Bill? That's what I heard in my mind. How many times are you going to do this? How hard did you try? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then to find out that, one, we can't do the willful sin. I I guess you could if if you think that confessing your sins, repenting, going up what we did and you were with me when we did it we we had this thing that you're saved but you need to rededicate your life so you you walk forward and chew on the varnish on the, off the the altar <laughs> do you remember when we were were given those blank pieces of papers and we wrote all our sins on those papers and then we went up to the altar and nailed them on the cross that they had put up there making a sacrifice for our sins I do we did it you guys we all did it that was willfully sinning after learning the truth we just hadn't learned the truth yet it didn't become crystal clear We didn't know what Hebrews was telling us about. One thing I did know, I proved it to be true. I didn't even know I was proving it to be true, but my sacrifices that I was offering could never take away the consciousness of sin. They were a continual reminder. The more I harped on my, the more I set my mind on my sin, the further away God got and the the more fearful my expectation of judgment got what was supposed to bring me close to God by confessing up to date all my sins making a commitment for for a fresh start actually drove me further away yeah and I Adam and Eve naked and ashamed I did and I hid Mm -hmm. and I had a fearful expectation of judge it was horrible but what what's so amazing is the willful sin i mean the willful sin is it's being the, sin conscience right which, which is supposed to sin. be a good say thing that again bill say that again let me be quiet and you say that again the willful sin is having a sin consciousness that is supposed to be a holy thing what kind of consciousness are you supposed to have a perfect, clear conscience, a, a consciousness of my righteousness, a consciousness of my perfection. Because of what? Because he took away the sin of the world. Because of Jesus, you yeah. have a clear conscience. What is so hard to understand about that? We have a clear conscience, Peter says, based on the resurrection of, of Christ. If Jesus was resurrected from the dead 
then his offering for sin was accepted as paid in full. And you're to have a clear conscience based on, if I can get the passage right, he says, make, isn't it make every effort to add to these, these fruit to your life? In, if anyone doesn't, he has forgotten. Gotten, he was once cleansed from all his sins. <laughs> the reason you're not bearing fruit is you've forgotten that you were once cleansed for all sin. The reason the people in Hebrews were bringing a lamb to the temple to sacrifice was because not so much they had forgotten they were once cleansed. The writer of Hebrews kind of makes it clear that they had put up a defense for a long time and had their property taken from them. They were thrown in jail. They were because they, they were sacrificing. They were persecuted for not sacrificing. Right. So they gave in to the persecution, and they found out they had a sin conscience mm-hmm. again. And then they got away from the once-for-all sacrifice, and it brought a fearful expectation of judgment, which is what the warning in Hebrews 10 is about. Have a grace consciousness. Have a clear conscience based on the the once for all sacrifice. I mean, we we've just read the verses. They they you can't be any more plain than they for one sacrifice for all sin for all time. Show me the loophole in that. There isn't one. One sacrifice. Okay. All sin. What about the future? All, all time. time. <laughs> yeah. Amen. We have to believe that, and if we don't. Fearful expectations. Yeah, we're literally willfully sinning. Yeah. If you understand what willfully sinning actually means. Willfully sinning in this context was actually a few years earlier their Hebrew duty to do. Yes, yes. So that's why it was hard for them to get away from this. Now, if I was to put... The willfully sinning in guard dog language, in the lingo of guardians of grace, would it be putting yourself back on the performance treadmill? Absolutely. What does Galatians 3 3 say? Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose very eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed as? crucified. I just want to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? They received it by the hearing of faith. Not their faith, but the faithfulness of Christ. And what does it say right before that? It says, are you so foolish After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by human nature, by human effort? That's willfully sinning. To try to please God in your own human effort, you've gone back to the, I perform for you, and if I fall down on my face, I sacrifice to you. And then I repent and do it all over again. But I never realize that I'm still holy and blameless. I just reject the idea that I'm holy and blameless. That's willfully sinning. Now you can't tell me I'm holy and blameless. You can't tell me Jesus' sacrifice 
counts for me that way. No, when I stop sinning... Then I'll be holy and blameless. Right. And when I start doing what those other offerings, the meat offering, the fellowship offering, and the peace offering, when I start doing those... I'll be holy and blameless. I'll be holy and blameless. Right. It, it just doesn't work that way. I hope, I hope, I hope by God's grace this podcast came through fairly clear in that you've received the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You have the eyes to see and the ears to hear because God gave them to you for this podcast and you can see what the letter of Hebrews is about and how much importance it puts on the sacrifice of Jesus and the ramifications it has for you as a believer, namely that you are holy and blameless in God's sight because of the sacrifice that Jesus did. And with that... It was that good. Yeah. We we conclude the podcast, huh? I'm looking at the time we need to to close. Yeah. Would you want to pray? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Father God. You truly, Jesus, were the lamb that took away the sin of the whole world. Compel us to think this way, that if one died for all, therefore all died. Thank you that we are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, check it out. Set your mind on these things. All things are new. We've died and our life is hid with Christ in God. Thank you, Jesus. This is such good news. This is such good news that sin is not even an issue to you anymore because it was once and for all paid. Thank you. I just pray that the eyes of all the guardians of grace, all that are listening to this, would be enlightened, that they would see the hope of their calling, the riches of their inheritance, and the incomparably great power that's available to them. The power to walk around in your day-to-day life without consciousness of sin, but consciousness of your spirit, moment by moment, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And thank you, guys. We love each and every one of you. Good night, you guys. We love you.